My name's John Redmond. I'm the associate pastor at First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas. And today on Peace by Believing, we're going to be thinking about how we can have the greatest need in our lives met. Now, you may never have thought about what your greatest need is, but let me just kind of try to get your mind going in that direction today. What do you think your greatest need is? Some would say that their greatest need is physical. Others would say it's financial. Some would say their greatest need is vocational or emotional or relational. A lot of different ideas about what our greatest need might be. But friend, the Bible makes it clear that our greatest need is spiritual. Our greatest need is to know for sure that Jesus Christ is living in our hearts, that our sins have been forgiven, that our souls have been saved, that heaven is our home. That's our greatest need. And then after that need is met, our greatest need is to get as close to the person of Jesus Christ as we possibly can. And so sometimes God allows us to have problems in these other areas in our lives, maybe physical, maybe relational, maybe emotional or financial or vocational. Sometimes God allows us to have issues going on so that we will turn to Him in a fresh and a new way and so that we can have the deepest needs of our soul met. Now today, if you have your Bible, I want to ask you to open it to the book of Ruth. And Ruth chapter number 3 is the passage of Scripture we'll be studying today. And in this passage of Scripture, we see how Ruth got closer to Boaz. And you say, well, now, John, what's the big deal about that? A lady got close to a man. That just seems pretty normal and natural. Well, it is. But in our Bible study today, we're going to learn that uh, Ruth really is a representation or a picture of us. Ruth was born in a pagan land in a place called Moab. We were born in sin. Ruth went through a very difficult situation in her life, and as a result, she had no hope for her future. The Bible says that when people are without God, they are without hope. And so Ruth really is a picture of the entire human race. Boaz, on the other hand, is a picture of Jesus Christ. Boaz and Jesus have a lot in common. They were both born in Bethlehem. They were both very wealthy. Boaz had a lot of material possessions. Jesus owns everything, and he has all the spiritual wealth in the world. And then both became redeemers. Boaz became the redeemer for Ruth, and Jesus has become our redeemer. And so in Ruth chapter 3, as we see Ruth getting closer to Boaz, we learn some very practical ways that we can get closer to Jesus Christ. Now, on our last program, we talked about the first two ways, and number one is simply to live a clean life. If we have sin in our lives, we'll never be as close to God as we could without that sin, and so we have to live a clean life. The second thing we have to do is to be filled with the Spirit and to make sure that His Holy Spirit is, is filling our hearts and controlling our lives and controlling our actions and our reactions. Now, on today's program, we're going to pick up where we left off last time, and we're going to be thinking about two other things that we need to do in order to be close to Jesus. Thanks for listening today. I pray this message will be a blessing to you. The third step that we have to take if we're going to be as close to God as we can is we're going to have to be a thankful person. We're going to have to be grateful. We know from other stories in the Bible that Jesus is attracted to thankful people. 
When God does something for you and you thank Him for it, that endears uh, you to God. God appreciates that. Whereas sometimes God does something for us and we don't even pause to say thank you. I think that hurts God's feelings. Now, look back in verse number 3 again at what it says. Naomi said to Ruth, wash yourself, be cleansed. Anoint yourself, be filled with the Spirit. And then notice this next phrase, put on your best garment. She's saying to Ruth, Ruth, when you go and get in the presence of Boaz, put on the best clothes you have. Whatever your nicest outfit is, put that on. You say, well, now how does that apply to us? Because God's not concerned about our outward clothing or our outward appearance. God's concerned about the heart. And that's exactly right. So we have to make the comparison here from a spiritual perspective. And we have to ask ourselves this question. Have we clothed ourselves with the garments that God has provided for us? Now, turn to Isaiah chapter 61. I want to show you more specifically what I'm talking about here. There are a couple of uh, garments described here in this 61st chapter of Isaiah. And we need to ask ourselves, am I clothed with this? And the first one is the garments of salvation. Isaiah 61, let me let you find it, and verse number 10. Pretty sound hearing all those pages in people's Bibles turn. Isaiah 61 and verse 10. Listen to this verse. Isaiah said, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. For he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. That's the most important thing you could ever put on, the garments of salvation. And then it says, he has covered me with the robe of righteousness. What does that mean? That means when you got saved, from a spiritual perspective, God gave you a new jacket. He gave you a garment of salvation and this robe of righteousness which covers over all of your sins and all of my sins and it it doesn't just cover our sins it cleanses our sins and it washes those sins away so that when Jesus looks at us he does or when God looks at us he doesn't see all the sins we've committed in the past he sees this robe of righteousness he sees us covered in the garments of salvation so that's the first thing we should have on but if you look back at the first of that verse verse 10 If we've been saved and clothed like that, we should be joyful. He says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. Now, look at verse number 3. Because we find here another garment that all of us should be wearing. Look about the second phrase of this verse. It says, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning. In other words, those of you who are here today, you're sad, you're heavy-hearted, you're you're brokenhearted, you're mourning about something. God wants to heal you through that, and He wants to give you the oil of joy. But notice this next phrase, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. God wants us to be clothed with a garment of praise and thanksgiving and gratitude and appreciation. Now remember, God is a person. And so As a person, God doesn't just always want to hear us complaining about everything that's wrong and every problem we have and how people hurt us. Pour out your heart and tell God that. But God also wants to hear thanksgiving. God, thank you for saving me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for meeting this need. Thank you for my family. Thank you for my church. God, thank you for my health. Thank you for all the blessings in my life. I know that you would agree with me that we don't have to look very far to find something to be thankful for. I mean, even the fact that you were able to get up and come to church today, do you know how many of our members would give anything 
to be able to do what you've already done today. And that is to get up, get dressed, come to church, probably drove yourself or you were able to drive yourself and to sit in God's house. And so there should be thankfulness and there should be gratitude for that. For the, you know, I think some in the world in which we live, it has become such a negative world. And especially it seems like in the political thing, there's just so much anger and it's just so much Oh, gosh, there's so much uh, combativeness, and there's just so much finger-pointing, and so much, I'm afraid, even hatred, that sometimes, just since we live in this world, that can kind of become a part of our demeanor. You know, one thing I wrote in my prayer book not long ago, I said, God, please help me not to be a combative person. Help me to be willing to yield, to have a submissive spirit, to be easy to get along with. I don't know, sometimes I'm not easy to get along, but I want to be. I don't want to be a fighter or a combative or always, you know, us versus them type thing. And yet, in the world in which we live, so many times we can complain. So many times you'll even hear somebody say, and we've probably all said this, man, I can't believe how high my property taxes have gotten. Well, you know, instead of complaining about your property taxes, you ought to be glad you've got a house to pay taxes on. Sometimes you go out and eat a meal. You say, man, I can't believe how expensive this food is. Well, instead of complaining about how expensive the meal is, you ought to be thankful to God that you have enough health to have an appetite and you have a digestive system where you can eat a meal. I mean, to be thankful for what we have. If you, if you have a house to live in, a car to live when's the last time you ever thanked God for your car? I have it in my, on my Thanksgiving list. One of the things I thank God for most days, God, I thank you for my house. I thank you for my car. About a week or so ago, maybe two weeks now, I took my car to the car wash. It had really gotten dirty, and so I was in line, and I was about two cars away. And when it got to be only one car in front of me, I I rolled my window down, and I said to the guys who were out there kind of getting everybody's car ready to go through the car wash, I said, guys, on the top of my car, I drive a sports utility vehicle, a, a Toyota 4Runner, and on the top of it, there's rubber molding on both sides. And... When you go through a car wash, you know, those dryers, the, the, the air pressure is so strong on that, sometimes it just blows those moldings out, and you have to either go back in the car wash to get it, or maybe it's hanging out when you're driving home. You look kind of silly with your molding hanging, hanging off to the side like that. So I said to those guys, I said, hey, I explained that. I said, if you don't mind, would you just put some tape over the rubber molding so they won't blow out? They said, no problem. We got it. We'll take care of it. I said, also, if you don't mind, that back windshield wiper, if you'll put a piece of tape over that, because sometimes those car washes can actually rip those things off, and that's a very expensive thing to get fixed. I said, if you wouldn't mind just taping that down, I would really appreciate it. Well, both, two guys, they both looked at me, and they said, we got you. No problem. We'll take care of it. And as soon as they said, we'll take care of it, they did absolutely nothing and just sent me on the conveyor belt right down there to have my car washed. I think they were looking back and saying, we'll pray for you as you go through that nothing bad happened. Well, I was so startled by that, that I forgot to put my car in neutral when you go through. I don't know if you know this, but you're supposed to put your car in neutral when you go through the car wash. And so I didn't even know that I hadn't until I got to the end and the thing was over And I wanted to put my car from neutral to drive, and I noticed my car was still in park, and I thought, oh my gosh. And so I put it in drive, and I got thinking, now, this is not good. So I studied that later that day. Did you know that can actually destroy your transmission? You have a pin in your transmission, and in a setting like that, it could pop that pin. Thankfully, mine didn't pop. And so for the last week and a half, I look at my car, and I say, God, thank you for my car. Thank you that it's clean, and thank you that car wash didn't tear up my transmission. Now, that's just maybe, an, but I'm saying 
we, there's things to be looking forward and to be thankful for. I see here on the third row today, and I have permission to use this illustration, Wayne Boggin. Do you remember last Sunday I gave an illustration about a man who was in need of a kidney? And he went to a car wash. Obviously, Wayne, you're going to a better end car wash than I'm going to because I guarantee you, Roy, Roy, you wouldn't let that happen to me. Roy owns a first-class car wash down in Pearland. And Roy said to Wayne's wife, Lisa, when they were down there one day, one of the, co- one of the workers said, Lisa, how's Wayne? Well, he needs a new kidney. And that particular worker said, well, I've got two. I'll give him my kidney. Well, as it turned out, it wasn't a perfect match. And so later on, that employee said to Roy, who owns the car wash, he said, Roy, Wayne Boggin needs a kidney. Did you know that? We need to pray for him. And Roy said, well, I can pray for him, but he can have my kidney. I've got two. So Roy went through all the testing. As it turned out, they were a perfect match. I talked to Wayne on the phone last week. I talked to Roy on the phone last week. To the glory of God, two weeks ago, they went to the medical center. They took Roy's kidney out. They put it in Wayne. It's going to lengthen Wayne's life by many years. And today, and I didn't know you guys were going to be sitting together, they are side by side in God's house. You talk about a brother and a friend. My goodness. Roy, that's as close to your old kidney as you've been in two weeks right there, isn't it? (laughs) I think Wayne's even nicer since he got your kidney. He's kind of picked up on some of your qualities. But what I'm saying is, see, when I met with those guys before their surgery, they were just thankful. They were thankful for the match. Wayne was thankful for Roy. Roy was thankful his kidney would work in, uh, in Wayne. They were thankful for the doctors who did the surgery. Now that we're all thankful that it worked out, what I'm saying is we have a lot of things to be thankful for, and if we'll be thankful... God will just be drawn to us. He won't love us anymore, but we'll just naturally be closer to Him than we would have been. And then the last thing that we need to do. Now think about what I'm saying today. If you want to get close to God, live a clean life. Don't sin. And when you do, ask God to forgive you and ask Him to help you not do it again. Be filled with the Spirit. Be a thankful person. And then the final step, do whatever God tells you to do. Be obedient. Now let's go back in Ruth. And let's go back to that third chapter, and let's pick up with that third verse again. Here's Naomi's advice to Ruth. Wash yourself, anoint yourself, put on your best garment, and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man. You're going to notice in this chapter, Boaz is referred to as the man, just like Jesus is the man for us, until he has finished eating and drinking. Then it shall be when he lies down that you shall notice the place where he lies. And you shall go in, uncover his feet, and lie down. And he will tell you what you should do. And she said to her, all that you say to me, I will do. So she went down to the threshing floor and did according to all that her mother-in-law instructed her. And after Boaz had eaten and drunk... And his heart was cheerful, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. And she came softly, uncovered his feet, and laid down. Now it happened at midnight that the man was startled and turned himself, and there a woman was lying at his feet. Now let me say this. There's nothing immoral about what happened here. Not anything happened sexually immoral. In fact, in the culture that this story happened, when a person laid at the feet or submitted themselves at the feet of another person, what that person was saying is, I submit myself to you. I pledge my loyalty to you. 
I'm in a situation where I need help, and I believe you're the one who can help me. And so this was a very common thing to do in this culture. She was just putting herself at her feet, and in so doing, she was saying, I need help, and I'm asking you to help me. Verse 9, and he said, who are you? So she answered, I am Ruth, your maidservant. Now here's her proposal. Take your maidservant under your wing, for you are a close relative. She's saying, Boaz, would you consider marrying me, since you're the kinsman redeemer. Then he said, blessed are you of the Lord, my daughter, for you have shown more kindness at the end than at the beginning, in that you did not go after young men, whether, whether poor or rich. Boaz was, was several years older than Ruth, and he was saying to her, I figured you would want someone a little bit younger and more your age, and so I commend you for not doing that, but for coming to the one who's the closest of kin. Verse 11, and now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you request, for all the people of my town know that you're a virtuous woman. Now, it is true that I'm a close relative. However, there is a relative closer than I. Stay this night, and in the morning it shall be that if he will perform the duty of a close relative for you, good, let him do it. But if he does not want to perform the duty for you, then I will perform the duty for you. As the Lord lives, lie down until morning." And then in verse 14, so she laid his feet until morning, and she arose before one could recognize another. Then he said, do not let it be known that a woman came to the threshing floor. Also, he said, bring the shawl that is on you and hold it. And when she held it, he measured out six ephahs of barley and laid it on her. Then she went into the city. Then she came to her mother-in-law, and she said, is that you, my daughter? Then she told her all that the man had done for her. And she said, these six ephahs of barley he gave me, for he said to me, do not go empty-handed to your mother-in-law. And so now Ruth has returned to Naomi, and he's saying to her, she's saying to her, look, I did what you told me to do, but I'm not sure how this thing's going to work out. And because there's somebody else closer related to our family even than Boaz, and so he's going to go see if this person will Buy, buy our property, and that would include marrying me, or if not. And look in verse 18. This is such an important verse. We'll get into the end of this story next week. Then she said, now this is what Naomi said to Ruth, Sit still, my daughter, until you know how the matter will turn out. For the man, that's how Boaz is referred to, for the man will not rest until he has concluded this matter today. And so she's saying, Ruth, you've done all you could do. Now we come full circle where this sermon started. You have thrown yourself on the mercy of Boaz. You've done what you could do. Now you just wait on him and see what he will do. But Naomi said to Ruth, the man will not rest until he has concluded the matter. Now think about how this applies to us because Boaz represents Jesus. Those of you here today with needs, physical, financial, relational, vocational, emotional, mental, any kind of need in your life, you need to understand that when you throw yourself at the mercy of God, when you put that situation in His hand, Jesus Christ Himself will not rest until that need is met. And that says to me, even though your need may not be met yet, God is working on it. You say, well, I don't see anything happening. Just because you don't see anything happening, that doesn't mean nothing is happening. God works behind the scenes. God sets things up. God gets us ready. God gets other things ready so that at the right time, He can meet that need. 
You may be saying, well, John, I've prayed about this need, and I've prayed about this need, and I've prayed about this need, and I haven't heard God say anything to me about this situation. Listen, friend, just because God is silent, that doesn't mean that God is still. God is working. And even now, what Naomi said to Ruth, how this applies to us today, the man, Jesus Christ, will not rest until the matter is concluded. May not be concluded by sunset, may not be concluded by tomorrow, may not be concluded by next week, but it will be concluded, and so we wait on Him. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, Isaiah 64, verse 4, says this, God acts on behalf of those who wait for Him. Let's say that together. God acts on behalf of those who wait for Him. And so we're waiting many times for God to meet a need. We need to know this. While we're waiting, God is working. He is active. He is doing what needs to get done. So at just the right time and in just the right way, just like God brought Wayne and Roy together so that they could... Wayne could receive his kidney. God brings people into our lives who can be a blessing to us. And so what I'm saying to you, first of all, if you have a need today that is unmet, take courage. God is working. And at just the right time, that need will be met. Now let's think about our greatest need. Because as I said at the beginning, none of those things are your greatest need anyway. Your greatest need is spiritual. Your greatest need is forgiveness. Your greatest need is salvation. Your greatest need is eternal life. Your greatest need is the assurance that when you die, you're going to heaven. That's your greatest need. Now, how does this apply to that? Think about what Naomi said to Ruth. The man will not rest until the matter is concluded. Friend, when it comes to our salvation, the man, Jesus Christ, did not rest until the work of salvation was concluded. What did Jesus say in John chapter 9 and verse 4? I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day, but night cometh when no one can work. What was Jesus saying? He was saying, while I'm here, it is day. While I'm here, I'm here to work. While I'm on the earth, I'm here to provide for the salvation of the whole human race, for the forgiveness of sins, for all who will turn to me. I have come to work the work of salvation. And what did Jesus say when he was hanging on that cross? It is finished. What did he do? He finished the work that he came to start. And so when it comes to your salvation, those here today who need to be saved, you need to understand, it's not that God is working on your salvation. It's that God has already done the work so that you can be saved. All you need to do is receive the gift. All you need to do is receive the man, Jesus Christ. He worked for your salvation. And now when it comes to your salvation, he is in heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father. He's resting. He's resting. He's not still up there working for you to be saved. He's done the work. And you can enter into His rest spiritually. Peace, joy, contentment, assurance, quietness, security, hope. You can, have all, you can enter into His rest and have all of those things in your heart if you, by faith, will receive Jesus Christ. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 3. And that verse says this, We who have believed do enter that rest. We who have believed, we who believe and trust in Jesus Christ and by faith receive and appropriate the gift of salvation, we enter into His rest. And my prayer today is that those of you who have never had your greatest need met, and that is to receive Jesus, that you would receive Him today. 
and that you would leave here with rest and peace in your heart, knowing beyond the shadow of any doubt that the man, Jesus Christ, has redeemed you from sin. How encouraging to know that when it comes to our greatest need, that is our need for salvation, for forgiveness, for eternal life, how wonderful to know that that need has already been met in Jesus Christ. Jesus died on that cross to pay for our sins. He was buried. He rose again from the dead three days after he had been buried. And he has already provided for our greatest need. And so today, as you're listening to this program, if you have never received Jesus Christ personally, you can do that right now. No matter where you are, you can pray this prayer with me right now. Just say it to God. Say, Lord Jesus, please come into my heart. Forgive my sins and make me a Christian. I ask you to save me, and I trust you to do it. Welcome to my heart, Lord. Begin now to make me the person you want me to be. In your name I pray, amen. Friend, congratulations if you prayed that prayer today. Be with us next time on Peace by Believing.